Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, welcome to the program. Uh, I wish I could promise it will be as hilarious as uh, yesterday's was, but I, I got my doubts, let's just put it that way. Um, the more, the more I read about this, this crazy person, I think, that Trump has installed as acting attorney general, the more clear it is that we have a president who just literally is governing by impulse, by uh, putting people in important positions because he recalls they said something nice about him once. No, no due diligence, no vetting. I'm not telling you anything. You don't know. But wow, some of the stuff <coughs> in um, Dana Milbeck's column about <laughs> about Matthew Whitaker <laughs> today is just mind-boggling. I mean, we already know about his his being part of this company that the FTC not only shut down but fined to the point that uh, you know, there's nothing there's nothing left but a stain on the sidewalk. Um but there's this other stuff. Listen to this. Um and there's there's evidence. I mean, there's there's these things aren't just coming out of nowhere. Uh, Whitaker once claimed that, here's his quote, um, DNA evidence collected in 2013 proves that Bigfoot does exist. Yep, and what he was doing is he was, he was part of a plan to sell Bigfoot paraphernalia. Um, this is the acting Attorney General of the United States of America. He also asserted <coughs> that time travel could be possible perhaps within the next decade. And this was also part of a scam because he was trying to raise <coughs> trying to raise money using Bitcoin for time travel research. And this was in cahoots with one of his fellow board members on this now finished off company. And they were suggesting to people who might uh, who might make uh, use of the time travel that they were going to be offering that imagine, here's the quote, you could relive moments from your past or visit your future. This, I guess, is when you're not sitting down to dinner with uh, Sasquatch. Um, oh, dear. I don't even know if I have... Okay. Hang on. Here comes another. He also, this is Whitaker, your current attorney general, he announced in the same media release uh, which heralded his appointment to this board, to this company, he raved about a patent application for a <laughs> extra, I'm quoting, extra deep masculine toilet for the well-endowed. And he goes on, it's specifying the size of average male genitalia. This invention is designed, get this, for those of us who measure longer than that. Wow. Actually, Dana Milbank ends up saying, you know, all of these things that I'm reporting here, 
make some people say, wow, geez, unbelievable, this guy is so totally unfit to be the Attorney General of the United States. And um, he says, Milbank says, actually, I think he's patently, it's patently obvious he is the exact right man <laughs> for this moment in this presidency in our history. <clears throat> Only a man steeped in time travel and Bigfoot could successfully sell the notion that special counsel Mueller's inquiry is a hoax. <laughs> That's a hoax. <coughs> Bigfoot's not a hoax. Time travel in 10 uh, years is not a hoax. But uh, Robert Mueller's investigation is uh, a hoax, according to our current acting attorney general. Um, so, Milbank says, in tapping as the nation's top law enforcement officer, a man with experience like this, President Trump has embraced his inner crackpot. And, of course, the crackpots have embraced him. Wow. Just wow. By the way, um, in 2003, when he, Whitaker, was, um, I guess, having to uh, be vetted, actually vetted for a, uh, for a judicial position, U.S. attorney, I think, right, in Iowa, he had to, um, he had to fill out a questionnaire uh, f uh, that, for the Senate Judiciary Committee, um, and he was asked in that questionnaire to list the most significant cases that he had litigate, litigated. Now, obviously, if you're being considered for U.S. attorney, uh, you, you've got a pretty hefty resume, maybe. Here are the most significant cases that Whitaker listed. <coughs> Quote, personal injury claim resulting from driver of automobile driving over Mr. Harkness's leg. Here's another one. Quote, breach of contract and negligence claim arising out of dry cleaning performed by Lennox cleaners that operated out of a Hy-Vee store in Creston, Iowa. a complaint about somebody's dry cleaning and Mr. Harkness's leg. Those were the two cases that um, he, he thought constituted his most significant cases. And here's the scary thing. He was appointed to that seat as U.S. Attorney. Oh, you know, again, you can't make it up. I, and here's something a little weird. Um, uh, according to Milbank, a photo, there's a photo of Whitaker in the Florida office of this wonderful company that now does not exist, of which he was a member of the board. And in the Florida office, get this, for whatever this means, quote, there were always handsome, well-built guys coming and going. And this is according to the, a filing that the FTC made, <laughs> the Federal Trade Commission, when they were looking into the company. Uh, there were always handsome, well-built guys coming and going. And um, the offices overlooked a full nudity strip club called Tootsie's Cabaret. And when the FTC went in and searched the Florida offices of the corporation that Whitaker was on the board of, it found 115 prescriptions, primarily for testosterone, and also found syringes.
A promotional video for the company features Whitaker's advisory board colleague kicking and punching people in kickboxing, ma kickboxing matches. I, I don't think that you can, I mean, you couldn't make it up because it would be too silly. It would be just too, right? It's too over the top. And, you know, when, uh, when fact and reality overwhelm fantasy, comedy, parody, <laughs> we are in a very strange, frightening time. Uh, let's, let's think of our, our president and how he has behaved since his... Uh, since the election that he trumpeted as a, uh, a big win for him. As far as I can tell, he is having the longest temper tra tantrum he's had since uh, taking office. He is literally refusing to do his job. He is, all the pictures of him you see these days, He's in full pout. He looks more like Alec Baldwin doing him than, uh, than he usually does. Just angry, lashing out at anybody and everybody, of course only at our allies and even fellow Republicans. <laughs> this, um, this is a White House in such disarray that you'll recall that our UN ambassador Nikki Haley stepped down. What was that? That was some time ago. Now it feels like a long. Everything feels like a long time in this administration. Um, he has not filled that seat. There were all kinds. I remember telling you. Apparently, he's going to put in the Fox News, former Fox News anchor, who now is the spokesperson for I don't know one of the federal federal agencies. Can't remember. Maybe state. Uh, but that has not actually happened. Um, now, of course, uh, the second uh, in command in terms of his national security advisor, advisors, uh, the right-hand woman to uh, John Bolton, has bolted, not of her own volition, but because the first lady, <laughs> geez, um got angry and demanded uh, her firing. She's gone. And, I mean, she was horrific by all accounts, this woman. No one's going to miss her except the m even more horrific John Bolton who brought her into the White House. And the problem with uh, when these people start leaving, and they're going to be leaving, Kirsten Nielsen will be leaving um, as head of uh, Homeland Security, uh, John Kelly again, reportedly leaving as uh, chief of staff, and uh, on and on it goes. The problem here is, as loathsome and incompetent as many of the people are who will be getting tossed from this White House, the people who will be replacing them will be so much worse. I mean, all we have to do is look at the fact that we're now almost looking wistfully at Jefferson Beauregard Sessions, our former Attorney General, a vile little man to be sure. But he had a level of competence, I guess in his vileness. It wasn't that he was unaware of uh, basic law and things like like that. Whitaker has, is, is on record as saying that he doesn't think Jews or Muslims or atheists should be able to be uh, federal judges. So God knows who's going to end up replacing, who our new uh, Homeland Security Secretary will be. 
God only knows. No competent person, no person with a soul would serve this administration. So I think we're in for, uh, uh, I mean, my little rendition here of, uh, of, of parts of Whitaker's uh, resume uh, will be repeated over and over with other with other new people that we'll come to know and uh, watch in absolute uh, terror and astonishment. I think it's generally known that Whitaker is so appalling that even re even the Republicans um, are many are pushing back on him. Oh my. My, my. Okay, thank you. Um, Milton has sent me this. Oh, brother. A self-proclaimed conservative gift expert. What is the hell is a gift expert? Is touting a timely toy for children. Here is the um, here's the statement from th its homepage, which the company is called KeepAndBear.com. We are pleased to announce the launch of a brand new line of toys, MAGA, Make America Great Again, Building Blocks. This set comes with more than 100 pieces, including President Trump in a MAGA hard hat. This is a total ripoff of Legos. It's Legos. It's just Legos. Isn't That's not patented, I guess. It's just friggin' Legos. And the first kit, if you get this for your kid... They're going to have uh, a whole bunch of gray Legos, which they put together to form a wall. And then they stick uh, the uh, Lego-like Trump with the red tie, although the red tie is not long enough, and his little red MAGA hat, and you put that in front of the wall. Um, it <sighs> the set only costs $29.95, and is available for pre-order from uh, from this site. Not that I want to give them a <laughs> shout out. God, and people will buy that. They will. Unbelievable. Okay, <clears throat> so as the um, the vote count continues. I mean, it's just amazing how many races are not are not called. It's amazing. There's what, like five in five or six, maybe more in California. They're in Maine. They're in New Jersey. They're in Georgia, Mississippi, Florida. I mean, I. It, it's incredible. And. Um, as these votes keep getting counted, it's becoming more and more clear that the Democrats did even better than we thought on election night. Um, it looks totally possible that we could pick up 40 seats, 40 seats. What did we need? 23? 40 seats. All, every, all of the, uh, the congressional seats that are still being counted in California, I believe the Democrats are in, um, in first place in all of them, and many having come from behind now to hold uh, leads. So that could be, you know, those could be all additional seats um, as well. 
Also in the Senate, uh, what appeared on um, election night to be uh, a pickup of four or five seats for the Republicans, that is not holding. Uh, um, that is now likely to uh, look like a majority of one or two seats for the Republicans have pretty much just held the line. Um, we'll see. I mean, there's a, there's a lot still out. Um, and I, I did read a piece today that said the 2020 election, there'll be three states that will be the center. Because again, we got the electoral college to deal with, right? What are the three states that just because of really a few votes in each of them put their electoral votes in Trump's column and gave him the win? They were our state, Pennsylvania. They were Michigan. And they were my home state of Wisconsin. The election... Um, the midterm, all three of those states overwhelmingly went back to the Democrats. The governorships in all three states are now Democratic. Uh, the congressional delegation, obviously here in Pennsylvania, grew uh, substantially uh, for women, for Democratic women winning in Philly and uh, Connor Lamb winning, of course, uh, here. So, I think that, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we got to be smart about our candidate. But Trump being Trump is not going to add and attract not going to attract people. He only knows how to talk to his base, to excite his base. And what the election Tuesday showed is that he has now lost independence. Independents voted for him. I mean, more than voted for Hillary. And the swing among independents is big against him. And then there's all those suburban Republican women. And there's the fact that cinema the, in um, Arizona attracted, what was it, 17% of Republican voters, the Democrats. So I'm just saying uh, the, the more you, and the closer you look, uh, the better it is. However, here's a little negative gerrymandering. Um, one of the reasons Pennsylvania was able to pick up the seats we did is because of a court rulings to um, draw district lines that were not intended to only elect <laughs> Republicans. And as soon as fair district lines were drawn by a neutral party, Democrats picked up the seats that they should have had all along. So even though we have picked up all these seats and won a clear, again, uh, majority of the popular vote, in three states that are heavily gerrymandered, to elect Republicans. Those are Wisconsin, Ohio, and North Carolina. The Democrats did not pick up a single congressional seat. And understand that two of those states I just mentioned are two of the three that I mentioned of having to but they didn't take congressional seats. They threw out their executive branch in the statewide elections for governor, 
the Republicans lost, but in the in the gerrymandered districts that they drew, they were able to hold those districts because those districts are drawn to elect Republicans. And unfortunately, that will not change unless courts step in before the presidential election because the next time we get a new census and are able to redraw districts uh, because of those new numbers, um, that will come after the next presidential election in 2020. So those gerrymandered districts uh, continue. And the gerrymandered districting in Texas uh, clearly kept uh, Democrats from picking up another four or five seats. In that huge state of Texas, uh, Democrats flipped only two congressional seats, but they came this close in about six others, and that is within gerrymandered districts. So, again, Republicans can only hold power unless they're stacking the deck unless they're essentially engaging in cheating in whatever way they can. And the same for Michigan. Michigan only picked up two, no, uh, Michigan, again, no seats, no congressional seats, but painfully close in a whole bunch of others. So without these Republican gerrymandered maps in existence, it is quite possible that Democrats in this last midterm election could have picked up 50, 50 seats. I'm just saying. And we have a caller. Hello, caller. Hey, Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Hi, Mike. Or should I say the second home of Amazon? Ha <laughs> ha! It, it is six miles from my house, and I couldn't be happier. So. Oh, you are happy. I am very happy. Yeah. Why? Because we have the infrastructure to hold all those people. Um, they created a special HOV lane just for rich people that go from my house to that six miles, and it will increase my house value by probably maybe $200,000, um, and they were always going to build it here anyway because that's where his house Yeah, is. I know. But, so I, but Mike, pretending otherwise, yeah. Yeah, but you're talking only it, from self-interest is why you like it. What about the people? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm saying what about the non-rich people who won't be using the HOV lane and, um, and because – your house is going up two hundred thousand dollars, and uh, so will all the you know the all rental units, all other houses. The housing market will go sky high, and um, you're going to be seeing people literally priced out of uh, homes. They already are. There'll be more. You know, I had a, there'll be, there'll more. be more. It'll be it's steeper, but they already are. My next door neighbor, there are two millennials, and they I. They, they were like, how can one person afford your house? And um, because they're two millennials and they need both of their income just to pay for the mortgage. So anybody reasonable is already priced out of where I live. It's been that way for 15 years. So a little worse isn't going to make it, isn't going to change anything. And Crystal City is right across the river. It's right on a metro stop. Most people are going to take. Most people are going to take the metro. Um, the city gives subsidies for taking the metro. It's if anybody has to get it, we're a good place to get it. It's not like turning Pittsburgh into um, Washington D.C. You guys didn't have the infrastructure. You didn't have, you know, it, this is the right location. It's if it's going to affect yep. us. Um, you're welcome people. to it. It's already I mean, affecting I, the poor people. Yeah, okay. You're welcome to it. I am so relieved it is not here. Yeah. They just use you guys as a way to get money out of 
Virginia. Yeah, but my you understanding know? is, wait a minute, my understanding is that Virginia's incentives were not that high to them. They offered half yeah, of right. what the national yep. average is, um, and New York offered twice the national average. Um, Pittsburgh offered more than than Virginia offered, and um, God, my sister was always yeah, talking about this Foxcom in Wisconsin. You know what they, the Foxcom in Wisconsin that Susan's always bringing up. Wisconsin offered Foxcom 20 times the national average incentive to bring in a company. 20 times. I can't even imagine. They gave them the state treasury. So Yeah, and Virginia said you it, only get these tax subsidies if you hire this many people, only if you spend this much money on rental property, only if. So there are all these conditions. It's not like, a, here's your money. So um, you know, but there's Virginia something, knew. Yeah, but tell me how obscene we, it is. They knew. Tell me how obscene it is that right. one of the richest companies in the world, run by the richest man in the world, <laughs> gets help, incentives, gets money for uh, deigning to uh, set down in a particular area, takes that money that should be going to needy people, that should be going to schools, that should be going to public infrastructure, that should be going to a lot of things. It is unconscionable. It is obscene. It is indefensible. Correct? But it isn't surprise. It is correct, but it isn't surprising. Well, this is the way, uh, or the, uh, this is the way capitalism works. <laughs> and pretending well, otherwise, I know, is obscene. But, okay, it is crazy. It's crazy. But it's I'm just saying works. that is so. To be a proud capitalist, are you able to be a right. moral person? Are you able to? Uh, are you going to heaven? <laughs> if there is one, I don't think so. I mean, the kind of capitalism we've got here, this unfettered capitalism, is as this, it's just loathsome. I don't, I'm sorry, I run out of, I keep using these same words over and over. But you're welcome to it. And, and you know what? I suppose it'll increase uh, maybe what you're paid, too, because people, you know, pay will go right. up. Yeah. Well. But that's not why I called. I called with good news for you, for all of us. And I just read an article on Salon not 20 minutes ago right. that said that North Carolina did pick up um, uh, a Supreme Court justice. They now have five Democrats and two Republican Supreme Court justices. There is legislation pending. Oh, on, for gerrymandering. I'm doing the gerrymandering. That's uh -huh. great. Because it, it, it impedes with the North Carolina state constitution, just great. like Pennsylvania great. did. So by 2020, that may be undone. Okay, so they might and be able to get that. There's not much that can be done, apparently. That is yeah. great. Oh, that is good news. That is good news. So little, this is how it happens. Little by little, we start taking it One state. back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's same just. With the teachers, same with the teachers picketing, right? right. West Virginia started it, then, you know, that's how it has to happen. Yeah. Well, I thank you for because that good news. We're an oligarchy now. Yeah. Oh, we're a lot of things, but we are not a democracy. I thank you. Enjoy. Sure. Have a good day. Okay. Enjoy Amazon. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye. I go out of my way not to buy a damn thing from them. I, I boycott them. I am like the, I hate them. I hate, it's like I never darken the door of a Walmart. I don't like Monopoly. I don't like big guys. I just don't. Um, caller! Hello. Hello. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Second time I said it, but that's the way it is. But uh, you know what? This um, all-volunteer service, or I don't know what you want to call it, in the military... 
maybe we go back to the other way it was because look what it's costing us. In you know what I mean, money wise. What do you I mean, say? The budgets at seven hundred, eight hundred billion or whatever it is. What? Well, I, well, I, I mean, Are we getting our money's worth? <laughs> I mean. What what are you talking about? The, the fact that we don't have a, a, a conscription, the fact that uh, we have a voluntary army is expensive? Well, it, it's it's very expensive is what I'm saying is for what we're paying, you know, what we're getting. That's all, I'm, you know. Look, $800 billion. I don't know how is that for two years or a year. I mean, isn't that? And wouldn't you think if we're spending all this money in the last few decades, wouldn't things be getting better? Well, a report that <laughs> they seem, no, they're seem getting to be worse. getting worse. Right. A bipartisan report came out saying that um, if we were to tomorrow, I guess, go to war with either Russia or China, uh, uh, we could well lose. Okay. And then somebody, right. somebody pointed out on Twitter, oh, like that's a shock. We lost to Vietnam. We lost to yeah. Afghanistan. Why the hell wouldn't we lose to China and Russia? Well, there you go. We what? were there 17 years now. Well, well what, do you what's know up what? with that? And nobody you, yeah, says anything yeah. about it. Do you know I read, and this just, it, it blew my mind. There was a young man who was just deployed to Afghanistan whose father was killed in Afghanistan when he was a baby. Can you imagine? Yeah. This is a guy now yep. deployed who never knew his father. His father was killed in the very war that he has now been deployed to. And for what? You tell me. For both. For what? Uh, it's just, yeah. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's no... And you know what? They, they're they going to go after and cut and other stuff. And it's like, well, why don't you have a tax for the military? And then people would look at it and say, why are we spending so much money? But since it's not like a tax, and nobody don't seem to be bothered by it. Oh, go ahead and spend $700 billion here. doesn't matter. Well, we are taxed. But if you tax, well, oh, specifically for the military, because I, I'm such a... I mean, have like a, like a, like entitlements have. Have a military tax that you see on your paycheck, and then people would say, why the hell are we spending so much money? But see, they don't see that. They don't see that we're spending that money. And the first thing they want to do is say, hey, we got, we're in debt. We got a couple of entitlements. Mm -hmm. I mean, but that's taxed. We're paying for that. That's what yeah. gets me about it. But they keep on doing the same thing over. It's going to kill us. One of these days, it's, go it's getting to the point where it's, what, almost a trillion dollars. It's going to kill us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and a way, I, I just, it's and, a way and, of... And three stations, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, they are war propagandists. They, they promote war. They glamorize war. I agree. That's what they do on there. Okay, I agree. And, All and the, the time. And the thing is, is that um, what you're talking about is something that, of course... Uh, President Eisenhower warned us all about, and it is totally in existence, and that is the military-industrial complex, which uh, is this huge program, that, and it's, it's absolutely part and parcel of the infrastructure of our government now, where a huge, huge well, it's, a uh, well, economy. it's a huge we, amount, a huge amount of our tax dollars are handed over to the defense sector, and that means to the missile makers, the plane makers, the and everything else that the military requires, which is, of course, pretty much anything you can imagine. Um, yeah, and all we do is lose wars. So there you go. Thank we you. We always have an enemy. Yeah, we always have a boogeyman. Yeah. Always somebody's going to invade us, but nobody ever does. Except for 9/11, but it's like and those are even, the, those were the Saudis, and those are our yeah it was France. We went to Iraq. All right, okay, I don't want to, okay.
let's let's not. You're. I, I know might, this is rehashing stuff. It sure but is. I just was amazed. And my blood pressure is going up. And how people just swallow it whole. Okay, I hear you. Yep. yep. Bye. Okay. Bye. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Oh my god, my god, that got me upset. So did this. Perfume makers are now selling high-end perfume marketed to little girls as young as three. Capitalism, ladies and gentlemen. I I mean, these are luxury brands, perfume for children. It's a very niche, niche market, but it's even more niche when the prices are so astronomical. We're talking about one of these perfumes is called, I don't know how to pronounce it, In it's French, and it translates to spoiled brat. All right, so you can get this perfume for your child for maybe just a stocking stuffer um, called Spoiled Brat, and it sells for $280 an ounce. Ah, it smells a bit citrusy and has notes of cucumber and bubble gum. Okay, let me see. Let me try to keep my keep myself under some control here. Um, I just want to say that when I saw uh, that one of the newer members of Congress, they haven't been sworn in yet, right? They're just, but they're there being told how the place functions and everything, being oriented, I guess. Um, how one of the more high-profile new members spent her first day staging a protest, a sit-in, in the office of what will probably be the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi. <coughs> and I'm talking, of course, of the 29-year-old uh darling of the Bernie Sanders crowd, um, Alexandria, Oca I don't know, Ocasio-Cortez. Um, and I saw that picture of her with these protesters sitting in Nancy Pelosi's office, and I mean, I really had to do a double take because I thought, wait a minute, hey, yoo-hoo, Alexandria! You're now a member of the Congress. You don't, you can go to Nancy Pelosi and talk to her. And in fact, holding a sit in in her office on the first day, I don't think is going to make you, <laughs> uh, you know, I, if I were Nancy, I would not be real happy with that. Are you looking for some good committee assignments? Are you looking to get along with your fellow Democrats, even if you really technically aren't? You're a socialist. I mean, what, what the fuck? It's stupid. And I'm thinking she's a grandstander because that thing that she did yesterday accomplishes nothing. Nothing. I mean, she's not on the outside anymore. She's on the inside. You don't have to do that kind of activity. Now she's been placed in a position where she can try to get things done by virtue of her voice through the process. I mean, I, I just, I, I looked at it, I thought, are you kidding me?
It's not helpful. It's not helpful to anything. It, it doesn't move anything forward. Just typical on the left. We take over this body, we take over the house, and right away we're aiming at each other as opposed to at the Republicans. It's absolutely counterproductive and fucking stupid. Excuse me, I had to say that. I uh, I had to give a speech last night, and um, at this speech, there was a another guy who uh, also spoke, who is the C. Well, he was the CEO of a you know one of these AI. I don't I don't know understand what anybody does anymore. He was a CMU researcher. And then he formed his own company. I remember where it was. It was called the Visimo or something, and it it was up at the corner of Forbes and Murray and Squirrel Hill on the second floor because they had a really nice logo. And I know there was a lot of stuff going on in there. And apparently they were creating a lot of really impressive, I don't know what software is that what they do. Um, and he, uh, IBM noticed, <laughs> and IBM came calling, because it ain't there anymore. IBM bought him. So I imagine this guy, this, I imagine he's rich as hell. That was his company. And so rather than just, you know, kick up his heels and, you know, go by an island somewhere, he, of course, started another company, so he's working on this other thing right now. Um, he's a native of Cuba. English is his second language. He's an immigrant. And he gave a speech about how, you know, how about leadership and how you the smart way to get ahead. And there was so many wisdom, so much wisdom that he was imparting. And one of the things he said that I'm going to try to take to heart, <laughs> and you should too, is that he talks about how, and I guess it made, it made me think of this, because of uh, this Alexandria, well, whatsoever her name is, um, doing what she did. It's not smart. If you want to be heard, if you want, if you're part of a collegial uh, kind of uh, entity, I mean, if you're part of a corporation, if you're working with other people, if you're in the Congress, you don't want to needlessly make people unhappy with you because it won't ever help you get anywhere. And so he said that if you're ever, and it, it, require, it would require so much control, but he said any time you're ever about to say something because at the moment you're going to say it, it's going to make you feel good. It ain't going to make the person you're talking to feel good, but you're going to get a shot in. <coughs> you're going to score a point. He says if you can always just pause and say, what will this get me? Other than this fleeting moment of, <laughs> And he said if you can actually stop yourself from doing that, oh, the places you can go. But it requires this self-restraint, not getting the point scored at the moment, not getting the win, not getting the rush of, ha, I told him. 
And then he talked about how we're assaulted by so much information that it is so important to prioritize what we do, what we give our attention to. And this guy, who I'm sure is rich as hell, who's IBM bought out, and now he's working on something else, he pulled out his phone. It's not a smartphone. He said, I don't have a smartphone. I just got this little flip phone. I use it like a phone. Because I spend so much of my day looking at screens. Why would I continue to do that when I could, he said, be watching the squirrel out the window. I could be reminiscing about something wonderful that happened. I could be engaging with my children. And I thought, wow, this guy who's in the this whole technological thing, who works in it, who understands it, who invents stuff and that's valuable, so IBM comes calling and blah, 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 blah. He doesn't have a smartphone. That's how smart he is. And he said to me, because I went up to him and said, I just think that's just amazing. And he said, I said, I just get so depressed when I'm somewhere and everybody, everybody is like that. I'm so sick of not seeing people's faces because they're not, they're not up, they're, they're down. And what he said to me is he said, talk to them. He said, you'd be surprised. I think their faces usually are down because they don't know where what else to do. They need constant something coming in. But if you were to start talking to them, he said, generally, I think they'd be perfectly happy to. And I'm not so sure he's right about that, but I'm sure on some occasions he is, whatever. But he says that's what he does. He said, I like to pull people's faces, you know, up, back up. And it was interesting, because this was a Toastmasters. That's an organization that helps people learn how to do public speaking and also uh, teaches leadership skills. And um, in this little Toastmasters uh, group, I was blown away by the number of people born in other countries that were there. And I was thinking, this is why immigrants are such an amazing, amazing force in this country. The woman who was leading it is from Germany. Um, an American now. And uh, a guy named Abdullah, a young man, got up and talked for a bit. And there was a guy from... India, who also, and these guys, they have accents, and they are, they're trying to learn how to succeed in this country, starting in this small group, networking, meeting people, learning how to present themselves, how to speak, and I'm looking at these people, and I'm thinking, you are the kind of people that make this country great. <coughs> What a diverse crowd that was. Black and brown and male and female in different ages and um, fascinating. Just saying. And I, I was just very moved by it. And so many of the people seemed unlike most of the people I know. They just seem so conscientious, so earnest, so intent on 
doing something and willing to do the work, learning to better themselves. I was just humbled, truly. Um, did you see the clips? I, these are just little teasers of Monica Lewinsky talking about her life. Um, apparently, uh, is it A&E? Somebody is starting a, uh, a broadcasting in a, a documentary um, about Monica Lewinsky. And it's called, uh, it's a series. It's called The Clinton Affair. And she wanted it called The Clinton Affair because she finally has gotten to the point where she's sick of it being about her. Because he was the one who acted. He was the man in power. He retained his power while her life went down the tubes, altered forever. And she's now 45 uh, years old. I, I watched a, a little bit of her speaking. Wow, wow is all I want to say. Impressive. Impressive. So well-spoken. So smart, so willing to honestly open up about the 22-year-old she was and how it happened and how regretful she is and how she has and continues to apologize to Hillary and to Chelsea for what she did. She has no apology to make to Bill Clinton, but she feels, and in it she says, I think he should apologize to me. And I saw that clip, and uh, it's very, very powerful. He has refused to apologize to her, by the way, in any, in any way. Um, he led the demonization of her, as, and Hillary certainly aided and abetted in, in that. Um, and she says this, if you want to know what power looks like, watch a man, she's talking about him, watch a man safely, even smugly, be interviewed for decades without ever worrying whether he will be asked the questions he doesn't want to answer. Think about it. How many people, how many times Bill Clinton been interviewed and nobody has said, you know, I really need to ask you about Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> no one ever did it. Um, she said, I don't know if I'm owed a personal apology from Bill Clinton but or deserving of it, but she says that he should want to apologize. She said, I'm less disappointed by him and more disappointed for him him. He would be a better man for it, and we in turn a better society. And she's right. And frankly, he now, finally, I think, because of me too, and because of, he's going to be asked these questions now, finally. But it's a very impressive, very impressive woman. That woman, as Bill Clinton. I never had sexual relations with that woman. 
Monica Lewinsky. Impressive woman. Finally. Finally coming out and setting the record straight and putting putting the onus on the man in power. Uh, okay, so that's apparently starting on Sunday on A&E. I'm just telling you, it looks interesting. I think that's it. And um, I'll uh, look forward to seeing you again tomorrow, okay? Bye-bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.